Hello? Oh, hey. Yo. What's up? What's going on? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing yet. I heard you was uh, allergic to something. Yeah, so I, I, I take that stuff. Uh, Kelly's nice enough to let me borrow some nasal spray. Cause sometimes I listen to these episodes and I sound like Millhouse. So she gives me this spray that is supposed to clear that up. But oh, in yeah. the first few minutes, it's like like walking through a field of dandelions. Tough acting, ten acting. Yeah, you got you got Boom. fucking <laughs> you got toe jam, fucking fungus <laughs> up your nose, dude. Yes. That, that could probably give you um, uh, meningitis. Polyps, dude. Isn't meningitis a mold that grows on your brain stem? Yeah, your spine. Yeah, it's pretty gross, ain't it? I didn't think of that. I yeah, just man. I just took it and snorted. I didn't think of meningitis. I should probably consider those things. Well, you got to be careful, dude. You want to get fucking. Yeah. You don't want to get toe fungus on your brainstem. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then I got to snort tough acting to act. Dude, wouldn't that be horrible if like you died? And like, how do you die? He got toe jam fungus on his brainstem. His brain. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole, That's an awful way to go. Fucking awful way. No, dude, here's an awful way. Uh, this dude recently at a tuna, I don't eat canned tuna, so I didn't contribute to this. But this guy at a Let's tuna. Let's come back to that. Okay. It sounds like when you're done, I want to hear why you don't eat canned tuna. Oh, so, well, this guy got fucking steamed to death. He fell in this giant industrial steamer with all this tuna, and he just got fucking steamed, and he died in- almost instantly. But that Jeez, seems like it would be horrible. Wouldn't that be horrible for a couple seconds? I mean, I know it was quick and all that shit. But what, like, being like steamed from the outside in? Steamed, yeah. Like your skin, his skin probably just peeled right off. And then, and then he fucking, ah, and then dead. That's really fucked. Yeah, dude. All for some canned tuna. Why don't I eat canned tuna, you ask? Is it because motherfuckers get boiled alive? Uh... Well, not necessarily, because like way more. There's there's food that I eat that I'm sure way worse atrocities have taken place. <laughs> like I'm not gonna act like I'm all altruistic. Like no, I don't do that. And then go eat some chicken nuggets while some <laughs> fucking you know what the fuck happens there. That's the funniest part. Like okay, so we both had. Now I know you're not a huge NFL fan, but we both had Pittsburgh and Philly both had Michael Vick on their teams. It's true. At different points. More famously, Philadelphia, but the Steelers had him as a backup at one point. But anyway, oh, I didn't really. I know it was Atlanta and then us. I didn't know Pittsburgh. Yeah, he, well, that was after the fact. Like he had already had his like big comeback year with um with um the Eagles, and then he went to the Jets for a while, and then yeah. the Steelers picked him up, and uh, he was like thirty six at the time or something. But it was pretty neat. I wanted to go see him in person. Like that's the type of like once in a generation athlete that you like you want to see in person if you can. So I actually went to a preseason game and watched him play. And I mean, he was still shaking and baking. Oh, yeah. it's, it's crazy Oof. to still watch. Yeah. Even at his old age, but um, he, when he, when they first signed him, all these fucking uh, animal protesting idiot people came and protested him. Like he fought dogs and, and like, you know, they're just, unless a true per, if you really cared that much about animals, then I think 
like, okay, I just think they're hypocrites because, like, right after that, you're going to go to fucking McDonald's and you're going to eat factory farm fucking animals. You know what I mean? Don't you right. find that to be hugely hypocritical? It's like, oh, I think they the went after cute. Uh, he was, uh, I think they went after him because he was high profile. Okay, but I think the far greater pain and suffering that has taken place is the millions and millions of people that eat McDonald's every fucking day or any oh. fast food or well, anything that, like Tyson chicken that, or any yeah. of that shit, even fucking vegetables. Even if you people are vegans, you know, uh, many people have brought this point up. How many fucking vegans uh, realize that like mass produced farmed uh, fruits and vegetables that kills a lot of animals too. Takes up a lot you of know, land as well. It's a lot of land. It's just a completely unnatural thing. That's actually how like diseases and shit really became more prominent in the human population, because when we were no more nomadic, or um, and we were getting a more diverse, uh, like it's just it's unnatural. So it's unnatural to grow the same plant in the same spot on a large scale over and over again. And continue to it eat depletes it. So, the, uh, depletes the soil of. Yeah, but also it kills little groundhogs and shit in those big machineries and all that shit. Like it kills a lot of fucking animals. So yeah, you went deep as fuck. Within but here's five the minutes. thing: like, if you think, uh, if you think that um, Michael Vick's the problem, you're the fucking problem, dude. That's not the word. I don't think he's a good guy for that. I think he's a piece of shit. Yeah. I think that he made a horrible, horrible, horrible list of decisions with millions of dollars that he made he wasted his life that's wasted talent he missed years of prime years of his career because he was in jail but if you think you're you got a short life and you're going to pick your list of problems that you're going to fight and you're going to decide to fight michael vick 10 years after he quit fighting dogs you are a chump you're going towards the wrong place you, you, you your energy is in my opinion is so poorly spent and you I just think you're a huge hypocrite. If you're that worried about shit that happened then, then you should just kill yourself. Dude, even like a oh, true, like, dude, you really should. If you're that worried, if you think humans are that bad to the world and stuff, like even boiling a pot of water kills micro bacteria. So like, yeah. you, you know, what, what life is life, dude, you know? So if you're really that worried about it, kill yourself, kill yourself, <laughs> give them something to eat. And that's the really the only true the true vegan by definition a true environmentally friendly person would kill themselves right now. <laughs> I mean, am I, but see, then you're really taking. Uh, I'll play devil's point. advocate on all, you, all your arguments. Let's, here. dude. I'll poke holes in any of your shit. Bring so, it the fuck on. <laughs> so if you kill yourself as a vegan in order to protect the earth, uh, you are taking care of one problem, which is you. Whereas if you are an activist, you are potentially reaching out to many more than just one so your argument and, and i'll use an ironic uh analogy uh you're you're saying you got to break some eggs to make an omelet for sure so <laughs> my pushback would be the best thing that you can do is lead by example okay and another thing too is like you know what <laughs> i am so for people that like don't that protest mcdonald's there that that's time well spent well maybe not time well spent but that's time better spent than protesting a football player who fought dogs 10 years ago. Right. So where the other devil's advocate thing comes into play is, uh, you know, you could chase all these. And they do, especially around Philadelphia. I'm, I'm, I'm part of a lot of groups that help rescue dogs and stuff like that. So I think that's a great thing. That's different. But than, if, if you find someone like Michael Vick, who is a high profile 
celebrity, you know that your fight against him is going to gain publicity. So, what, uh, go after so him. it's for a different. So you have different motives then, in my opinion. Well, so That's, if you go after, then Michael be Vick clear for, about your motives. If you go after Michael Vick for, I mean, the motives is motive is always going to be the same. The they should so protect just, dogs from being. Uh, from fighting. So that's their motive in the first place. Where their target is, is it really depends on how high profile they are, how many people it's going to reach. So are they going to uh, really put Joe Schmo on 53rd Street for having a small dog ring on the news? Probably not. But if they go after Michael Vick, it's going to gain a lot of publicity and it's going to reach a lot of people and discourage a lot of people from doing the same thing he was doing. Just, I like, don't know. just like you look at Michael Vick as a uh, you know, the kind of guy you want to, like a role model, uh, dismantle that idea they had of him because uh, he made dogs fight each other until they died. Well, I certainly don't think he's a role model by any stretch of any no, imagination. That's but... the other thing is it, it, it all starts with that. Like, are they really role models? No, they're really gifted athletes, extremely gifted people, ex- like superb human beings. But as far as their morals go, were they moral athletes? Were they known for how good they could help their this is what i think about um, this is what i think about protesting michael vick playing for the steelers that would be like if you were in the fucking theater where lincoln got shot and you com- and you decided to complain about uh one of the you said an, an usher did a horrible job and you just spent your the rest of your life talking shit on this usher that just sucked so bad and you said that theater sucks that usher's a bad person he didn't even take me to my right seat. He's a fucking piece of shit. Fuck that guy. Like, that's what that is. That's what that is. Like, there's a, there's a hierarchy of problems in the world. And there's a hierarchy of, unfortunately, there is an amount of pain and suffering that animals experience due to human unnecessary human activities. And that is, to me, so dramatically far down the list of atrocities that we have created that uh, now... You have people want to say your silence equals violence. You are like, how dare you spend that energy on something like that when you could spend it on something that actually would eliminate a lot more suffering, a lot more suffering. Sure. Like just don't eat a burger today or, um, fuck yeah, it. How about, you go after the pu- how, how about you go after the puppy dog factories? You know, like that. How about that? I mean, there's a list of things that you could do. And I don't know, man, I, I think um, I think it's kind of like what you said, but in a different way. I think that people have ulterior motives. They have other things that, that motivate them. And it's this it's just it's a half baked idea. It's like, oh, dogs are cute. They look nice. I want to protect them. Um, hey, can you get me um, give me a McDouble, a McChicken and um, 20 piece McNugget? Like, come on. Think a little right. bit think a little bit but what anyway it is uh especially when it comes to sports and i don't hate it like as you know i'm not i'm not crazy about sports i do like following yeah it. i do like rooting for my teams but uh, yeah the reason i don't and this is another joe rogan theory is um you want me to idolize these guys who figured out how to run with a ball well first off it's gotten really weird because you and i are like kind of at this well similar enough age cosmically where it starts to get really strange when you start idolizing kids your age, kids younger than you, and you're like, wait a second, this dude is born in 1994? Right. I right. remember 1994. What the mm-hmm. fuck? 
this is strange. And I'm watching him wear tights and I know where he went to high school and I know how much right. he weighs and I know how tall he is. And I know what he looked like all this. Shit. I know what his wife looks like. And I like, it's just, it's first that that's strange. That's right. weird. There man. is one, there is one sport that I do uh, root for the, the individuals who do it. And it's yeah. because the sport is also very mental. What's that golf? No. Well, that's Basketball. just fun to play. No. Oh. It's boxing. I thought you were going to say dog fighting. Um, <laughs> no, no dog. I uh, see, I, I kind of like, if that you want to talk about bring up Joe Rogan, I get, I kind of agree in theory with like his hierarchy of his favorite sports because like he's kind of right. Like th- that kind of is MMA is so badass. Boxing is badass. Wrestling pretty fucking still pretty cool. Like, yeah. Those are the most mental and physical combo mindfuck sports that, like, the people are awesome and well worth following. But it's, yeah. but even still, it's an unnatural thing. Like, it's just a weird thing to think, like, um, like you're, you put somebody on a pedestal and you think they're just a better human than a regular human. And I just don't, right. I don't know, man. Like, the most pathetic thing is I, um, you know, in my travels, I used to, uh, uh, my one of my previous jobs, we used to when I was you know in the beer business, we delivered uh, beer to the Pirates, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates um, uh, clubhouse, mm-hmm. and we had this access to this back part where like the players would go in. And really strange, if you were there anywhere close to when the teams would show up, all these fucks would stand there and wait for autographs. Oh, and it was the weird. It's it's and just like not, and I used to do that too because uh, seventy year old men and shit. Like you're right. waiting for this kid that doesn't even know anything, and ah, yeah. oh, it's just it's weird, man. It's uncomfortably weird, and it's like yeah, what what do you think? Out. Do you think do you think you're you're like do you think that you're a piece of shit? Like you're insignificant or something? Like I would never wait for a person's autograph. Nope. ever. I don't care who the fuck it is. It's a person. Yeah. It's a person. And if you think of autographs as really what they are, it's a signature proving that you met this person. I met them, yeah. Yeah. So Give then the when fuck. you sell signatures and autographs, you're not you're selling like an idea. Uh, so it's here's one thing. Here's actually what I think. I actually have more respect for the people that do it as a means of income oh, than I yeah, do that's what the I people who actually the that's what I, what I mean is like the people who actually buy them, who the people who give it value. It's like you got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, I yeah. have some, I mean, I talk shit. I have some memorabilia, but it's never been stuff that I've crawled up somebody's ass to get, right. you know, like I have some pretty neat stuff. The, um, the, uh, pirates in the 1960s, oh, 1960, they won like the most famous situation world series. They had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with enough baseball, baseball terminology where, you know, yeah. what a, you know, you know what a walk off, Grand and all it's I think it's called like an ultimate grand slam. The okay, game seven of the World Series against the heavily favored New York Yankees in 1960. They just the Pirates had just lost the previous game 11 to 0. Okay, Jeez. and it is I think it's 4 1 Yankees, three outs, bases loaded. I'm sorry, two outs, bases loaded. Um, bottom of the ninth, okay, in right. Pittsburgh. So you couldn't have any – your back couldn't be against the wall anymore. You literally need a grand slam. And built in a, in a star player, 
an all-time Hall of Famer without this play, Bill Mazeroski fucking hits a grand slam with two outs to put them up by one, just by one. You know, he needed that grand slam just to go up one. And there's a walk-off fucking grand, walk-off awesome. two-out grand slam. And so the beer distributor I work, this is kind of how we got to connect. His, uh, one of the owner's good friends was this guy who was the, one of the ball boys for that 1960 team. And so he used to, he like would buy beer and stuff. And like, he actually used to drink J.W. Dundee Honey Brown. Did you ever see that beer around? Never heard of that beer? Oh man, Honey Brown. Dundee is like a, I don't know. They're kind of remind me of like, they're probably about the same. They're a little less crafty. I think they're owned by a bigger company. They, but they remind me of Shiner Brewery. A little less crafty, but a little less crafty. Um, I should do more research on that. But yeah, it's like an old man. It's like. I love Shiner. Yeah, Shiner. Well, Shiner Bach is, it's a different style of beer. It was a brown ale, but, um, which is actually kind of similar. But uh, he used to drink brown, honey brown. And it's like, that's like old school. Like, that's like rolling rock. That's like. Rule like people that think Rolling Rock is a f- classy beer. Like at a time like that was like that's when it's that style of beer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like it's not quite Heineken, but it's like I guess Rolling Rock's the best category I could put. Like in remember Rolling Rock in the '90s, extra oh, yeah. pale. Like that's yeah. what sophisticated motherfucker. That kind of was like the first craft beer in a way. So All right, so he was drinking this honey, and he was a yeah, ball yeah. boy. Anyway, he he owns this company called Wrecker Inc. and they move um, all of the all the equipment and uniforms and shit for the um, Pirates and the Steelers from like training camp to the home field to the airport back to the training facility. All this shit. So mm-hmm. like he would always bring crazy shit that people would leave, and it would be like weird. Like there were like used shorts, but it would like inside like everything. On these teams, they have numbers, the player's number written on the tags and stuff. So, like, somebody, like, these guys, they'd fight over a used, like, Under Armour of, like, Pedro Alvarez or, like, a you know, uh, <laughs> Josh Bell or uh, 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 who's the guy who played for the Phillies? Um, fucking um, Andrew McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Shit. Like, we would have all that stuff come in there. Like, they're used shit. And, oh, we um, had that, too. We had a guy when I worked for the Freaks would uniform fight company. over it. Yeah, when I worked at a uniform company, we had a guy who delivered, uh, like, rugs and towels to the Eagles training facility. And he nice. used to – they used to get rid of their shoes after they are done training. <clears throat> and he would just yeah. come back to the job with, like, ten pairs of sneakers with cleats. And he'd be like, all right, who, who wants these? And they'd, they'd all ask, all right, who, who was wearing them? Who was wearing them? And I'm like, dude, I'll buy, I'll buy a pair of shoes for ten bucks. Like just so I have a pair of cleats if I want to play football with my friends, but I don't see the value in knowing that somebody else wore sweating them, them before. And shit, yeah, yeah. it's neat. Down so I've regift. Like I got a couple things, and I would like usually regift them. But there was some neat shit that I did get. For example, um, I got um, I got. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Troy Polamalu. Yeah. He was like the yeah. Pittsburgh's equivalent. Yeah. yeah. He was like Brian Dawkins, except a little different. He was like more like a, I don't know. Brian Dawkins was almost like a fast, small linebacker. And we Paul met, Malo, uh, you and I met Palomalu's uncle. 
Oh Phillies shit, thing. we did. <laughs> we did. Yeah, he's a really nice so guy. So I got one of the coolest things I got is a helmet. Uh his his helmet. So like yeah. it's really cool. Like authentic game, like with the scuffs and everything. Troy Palomalu helmet. Um and then I also, oddly enough, through our connections with the pirates. There, we got one of their grounds crew, one of the most interesting people that I worked with ever. He was British, and he was, like, high up in the grounds crew for the Pirates. And he lost his license. And, um, or what? I don't know what happened, but they couldn't keep him. And uh, he left. And um, he worked for this beer distributor for a while as, like, a helper guy. And he used to, I mean, he had stuff for days, like, game jerseys and like crazy stuff. uh balls i i got a ball somewhere signed by maz bill maz ross hey. i don't even know where it's at but like i don't care like you know i really don't care you know what i did with the steeler helmet what? i played football uh <laughs> high school football and no no no, i didn't wear it i didn't oh, play in it i mean i did put it on once to be funny but um I put on, I put it next, I have this shelf and I put it next to my high school football helmet and it's like kind of cool. Like, you know, I don't know. They look cool yeah. next to each other. So I, I think it means uh, like, so I, I'm down with memorabilia, but like, it's not you, like blowing, not blowing the guys. Like you're not, they're not right. better than people. They're just people. Yeah, you know? So, uh, I had a good story when I was at the Flyers game, I had really good seats and the game was over and all the Flyers were going into the tunnel or whatever. And, this kid in front of me had a sign that said trade sticks and he had a little like novelty stick. I thought it was funny and I just wanted to see the players close up. <clears throat> and uh, Keith Primo, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He, he comes down a tunnel and he, he leans his stick over the glass and he creams the top of my head hard as fuck. It kind of almost fell down. He what? hit me so hard and he gave the stick to the kid. And the kid was like, yeah, I got a stick. And I, what I took away from that was a really good story. So what I'm saying is <clears throat> the story behind a lot of the memorabilia that's important to you, I feel like is more valuable than if you just went out and bought it or waited outside a hotel for a signature. The uh, story. Yeah. And, and what it means to you, like if it's important to you, I don't care if like, like, I still have uh, Quizzo sheets. Like, Kelly and I, our first date was at a Quizzo. That, uh, I kept that sheet. I kept it in my pocket because the value behind that little sheet meant more to me than I think anything else in the world could. So there, there's something to be said about, like, personal value. And if I hear you spent, like, a million dollars on a baseball card, uh, well, that's a bad, that's a bad uh, example because I do think that's pretty cool. But... If you're going to spend like 200 bucks on a helmet that three Eagles signed or three Steelers signed, mm-hmm. I just don't understand that. I'll never understand that. I feel like it should have personal redeeming value. Yeah, like um, like the uh, samurai sword that Randy Jackson signed in Step Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, That's I don't know. Cool. All, I had, all I had was the samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Is there anything like you have like that that you hold very valuable because it means something to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever wonder about like stuff that was actually in a place? Like, do you ever have this like association with 
a physical object because it was in a place in time or it was like well that's funny like so i you know i've been binging x files oh yeah i i told kelly and this is uh, before you go too deep into what you're saying they're they're like driving uh i think it was a chevy caprice or something like that like a 93 chevy caprice yeah and i i had this yeah i had this crazy idea to her i said uh isn't it weird that that car that we're looking at in this show actually existed at one point, may still exist on the road, mm-hmm. or maybe in separate pieces. Either way, that thing that's on the TV right now is still around in this world, and its remnants are still like among us. You that do? shit blows my mind. Yeah, I, I feel like there is, maybe it's just like a human thing to do, but I always feel like there is some kind of soul. Like, I don't mean soul, but there is some kind of energy to these inanimate objects that were in these places that have this special energy. Like, like, you know, like, uh, there's like all these, like, did you go online? You can find like all these people put in these fancy little boxes, like original pieces of a Berlin wall and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like right. that, like. I do see the appeal to that. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Like you can actually, they're actually pretty affordable. You can get like a, you know, like a three by three inch little hunk for like 50 bucks. And, and it comes in a little thing and it right. tells you that, you know, stood from, you know, 1961 until whatever. And uh, well, that, did yeah, you that's... know that that came down? Did you know that the Berlin Wall, came, I don't I think it was 89. Did you know that came down that I actually tore it down on September 11th, 1989? Yeah, isn't no. that weird? Yeah, isn't that weird? But, um, but anyway, dude, um, you know what yeah. I mean about that energy of like... It's called anthropomor- anthropomorphism. It's ah, like, like the brain little toaster. Yeah, exactly. Which you, you have very strong feelings about, as we all know. But yeah, it's like assigning personalities and energies to inanimate objects, and I'm all about that. Well, I'm not quite to like anthropomorphism uh, to the way that like, you know, like... But there is a thing, um, there is a proven psychological trick that you can do. You actually, if you draw, I don't know if you got pen and paper face. in front of yourself, draw a face on something, it's I've harder to throw it away. Yep. Isn't that fucking nuts? I've like, heard that. That's all it takes. But like, I think it's probably all chemical bullshit that like helped our evolution at some point. Right. And inanimate objects don't mean dick. But like, I like saving, like, when I clean, like, I cleaned my garage the other day and I found all these ticket stubs. And I felt them, and, like, I feel like when you hold it and you look at it, there's this, like, visceral take you back to, like, it's almost like my eyes looked at this right before I went to see G-Love and Special Sauce yep. or, whatever, you know, whatever tool or whatever fuck shit I was seeing. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's kind of interesting, and it's kind of hard to explain. I, think I, feel like, explain. I feel like that comes to you when you're older. So I yeah. recently went to Denver, and... Oh, I had this is... idea with my kids where I was like, I-, I wish I could bring you guys. Uh, this is, you know, daddy's birthday gift. But I said, here's the next best, best thing. Why don't you give me two little dolls I could put in my backpack and I'll take pictures of them in yes. Denver on the mountain. And I did. I took, I made a slideshow of it with music. That is so and, neat. And uh, it was cool. And then I brought it back. And, and, and in order to watch the slideshow, they had to hold the doll and then watch the slideshow. And they're looking at this doll in oh, Denver. Crazy. While holding their, uh, while holding it, and Sweet. it didn't. I, I thought it was going to resonate big time. It didn't hit as big as I thought it would. But eh. so that's what I'm thinking is that the thought that we're talking about is sort of it comes with age. 
Yeah, I think like yeah, you still they don't even they, you know you're in a, you, you you're in an age at that point where you can't even really conceptualize what it means to go to Denver. But here's a weird one. Now this wigged me out. Now fast forward to my age, and I don't even know how to explain this. But like, okay, my dad he had a fire last night. Like he has fires in his backyard like pretty much all summer mm-hmm. and on the weekend every Friday and sometimes Saturdays. So he has a buddy of his who comes from like. Fuck. Uh, probably about 15 mile, miles away. Eh, maybe, t- let's say 20 miles away. Uh, right. The other side of the city. Well, completely other. My dad's in the eastern suburbs. This guy's in the far northern suburbs. So this guy with his wife, they come over. I came over for a little bit. I left. Then eventually he left. And I was like, hey, how's the rest of the burn go? And my dad goes, um, yeah, they, you know, we hung out for like another 45 minutes. And then they went home. And I sat in front of the fire by myself. And I waited until I got a text from them that they were home. And then I went inside. And, and, and I don't even know if, if I can really properly uh, explain this to you. But, like, is there not something, like, kind of crazy about that? Like, where you're – you ever been in that situation where, like, you're still sitting somewhere where you were all together? And then the person texts you and be like, we're home. And, like, they're way far away. And they're cozy in their home super far away. And you're still right there. Is, it, is there something yeah, weird like, about that? Yeah, it's like having your it's own universe. Neat. So uh, yeah. kids, uh, children also deal with that issue is that like if they don't see it, they can't imagine it's taking place. And when you get exist. older, yeah. yeah, when you get older, you start to realize that things are happening when you're not there. Yeah. And I always think of that uh, and I make sure to actively like bring up Denver again. Yeah. I was on the top of this mountain and I was thinking and I was like, this has been here for millions of years and it's going to mm-hmm. be here after i leave and it's going to be here mm-hmm. after i die and i was like i get to enjoy this mountain right now we get to be together and then i was like but it's just it's a mountain and the grand scheme of things is just earth so then i was like it's the same with everything like you just have to appreciate everything while you uh, it was a weird i had a lot of uh, moments like that in denver yeah yeah, no, I could see that. I think, you know, I did too when I was out there. Like, I was on, like, you know, I had stuff to do. Like, I had to do the, you know, the events. I was stuff, really high too. Nice, literally. Yeah. And, um, and, um, like, elevation wise and, uh, intoxication wise. Yeah. That's great. And, yeah. Dude, I, I took some edibles out there too during fucking GBF and fuck, dude. Uh, yeah, really it's oh, amazing. Man, it was, it was fun, man. It was yeah. fucking fun. It was intense. It was great, dude. It was great. <laughs> We're going but, back. Um, Dude, it was, it was, it was, it was really... But yeah, I, still, I know what you mean. Um, but like, here, there's that, another like, thing, too, about that. Just to touch on it one more time before we move on to the next thing. But it was like... Uh, there, there is this other thing, too, where there's this, like... There's this local and versus global and, and, and uh, thing that happens sometimes where, like... It's this, like, weird, cozy feeling where, like, you ever go... Like, I have family who lives, like, four hours away. And, like, when you sit down somewhere at their place and you, like, I don't know, like, like just, like, drink coffee or some shit and you're sitting on their couch and you're, like, watching TV and then like, you think about, like, how far you came and then, like, you're come back. And then, like, when you're back home, it's like, dude, that was weird. I don't know how to explain right. it, but it's, like, No, this... I actually, it's, it, so we just traveled to Salem uh, for a Halloween Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the night we got there, uh, I... I wanted the kids to have a scale of how far they had come. Yeah. And what I 
didn't estimate was how scared they would be once I told them that. So I brought up Google Maps and I was like, look at we, where we are compared to where we live. And they looked at it and I was like, we're in like a whole different, like, this is the furthest you've ever been from home. And it scared the shit out of them, man. <laughs> and, but like, that in, like feeling a, is, in a fascinating way or like a really, really scared way. Just overwhelming. Like, yeah, it's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they didn't, they couldn't comprehend that they were currently in a spot so far away from home that they've never been that far before. And it, I could tell it was like a fuzzy, weird, like dense feeling that, you know, nice. everything was strange to them. But of course, as a child, that is going to happen. And that's, nice. that sort of becomes like appealing when you get older. It's nice. thrill, like when you come to Philadelphia and you're always like, you can't see any mountains, you can't see any hills. It's so flat. <laughs> and then yeah. I go to Pittsburgh and I'm like, why is there so many fucking bridges? What's going on here? Why is right. that building all the way up there? Well, you know what else is neat too? Like, did you ever, like you just moved and like you ever set up your little cozy spot or whatever, even if it's like your couch, your coffee table, anything, any of that shit, or even like a coffee mug or something, you look at it and you're like, this used to be somewhere else. And now oh, it's yeah. here. I don't know. And like, I think about like the products that we, like I sell product that's manufactured way far away and i'll think like i'll see it on the shelf distantly far away and it becomes very personal when you start to know like the guys who work in production and stuff and you think about like there's this shit sitting in this place that i'm not even going to a random retailer that i don't even really know that well and i'll see it off in the corner in the on the shelf in the distance i'll be like lube's touched yep lube's touched that fucking somebody So like we know intimately what's inside there and like the, what was done to get it in there. And it's just like such a weird, like, I don't know, man, you know what I mean? Like there's something, it's hard to explain. I know that we were going to move on, but like, it is, it is a fascinating, that is kind of like a, I think of it when I see, like, if you, if you're driving down a highway and you're 70 miles on one highway and halfway down, you see a uh, safety cone, an orange safety cone. This is what always reminds me. And at, at one point, that safety cone was like, you there? Hello? Hello? Right. You there? Hello? 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 What the heck happened there? I don't know. Somehow I connected to some Bluetooth device. I looked at my phone and, I, and nothing was happening. And I looked down and I'm connected to some fucking Bluetooth device. And I don't know what it was. And then I disconnected. And then I said, I heard you say hello. And before I could say hello back, you were disconnected. Dude, I heard people talking. It was horrifying. What the fuck? Somebody else in my house must have hooked up a Bluetooth. Yeah. My Bluetooth is off now. So. Right. Problem solved. I didn't know that people were gonna fucking do this <laughs> shit, but whatever. It's no, amazing. But... It's amazing that technology actually ever works when you think about it. But um, but yeah, dude. To get back on topic, that um, one of the crazy things too is like, if you ever, there is something cool about like a wheat penny or something. You ever find one? And you look at the year, and it's from like nineteen thirty-one yep. or some shit. And you're mm-hmm. like, man, somebody like touched this and looked at it and used it, and I don't mm-hmm. know. It's kind of weird. It's also like um, 
like where you live. Like the house I'm in right now was built in 1917. Mm. There's been families and like I don't really believe in ghosts and stuff like that, but there's some energy, some there's energy, something. There. Yep. Even to, they're they're still like like there stuff happened here. Lives were changed here. Uh, yeah, man. Some people have dark, dark memories of good things, what bad things. Right yeah, 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 man. I think uh, I used to think about that too. I lived in a house when I lived in the city. I lived in a house that was built in eighteen eighty fucking one, and it was like it was like it would trip me out. I'd just be sitting there. I'd be like, man, some asshole sat right here before cars were even invented. Dude, they were still doing public executions in the United States at that time. Jeez. Like that's fucking nuts, dude. And I started thinking, like, did it like gets me down a rabbit hole? And like, anyway, um, like, you ever see um, uh, it's a movie called A Ghost Story with Casey mm, Affleck? No, no. All right, it's, I'll check it out. You're gonna love it. I, uh, I've been watching movies a lot recently. I'll explain. I mean, it's it's a it's a weird movie because it's shot in uh, a weird ratio where it's like nearly square while you're watching it. But it's Casey Affleck, and he's mostly in a ghost sheet the entire movie. Are you familiar with the commercial where it's just Casey Affleck in a ghost sheet? Um, no. So it's more like an art piece. And uh, the enormity, it, it's a, about the enormity of, like, what we're talking about. The enormity of events and feelings. Basically, this guy dies on his property, and it shows... Uh, his ghost through the analogy of a guy in a ghost sheet just experiencing time on his property yeah. after he's dead, after his wife leaves, after she dies and the whole world is basically ending. And then it goes back to, I, mean, I won't ruin it, but it, it basically t- touches on what we're talking about. And it's very well orchestrated with the music and there's barely any dialogue, but nice. I hi- I've always said oh. this to everybody, everybody I meet, if you want, to be emotionally affected by a movie uh, at the age that we're at and at the level of like understanding and intensity. Yeah, that is the perfect movie. Uh, a ghost story with Casey Affleck. And it has Rooney Mara from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, it's so well done. And the dude wow. also made a short movie called uh, The Pioneer. Which yeah. sent you. It's, uh, I've heard of that, yeah. It's just the dude who is talking to his son, his, uh, and you're wondering why it's his son. The dude is like the stark white guy, and his son is this dark black kid. And like, you're, there's got to be something there. Oh, and he's like, how, tell me how he was born again. And you're like, all right, he's going to tell him how he's adopted. And he goes on the story of how he was a pioneer and he found him and he had to fight this war and he, he lost him. And war? No, no, it's just. It's just them talking. The two of them, it's just dialogue. Uh, no, I thought you said he had to fight this whore. No, war. Oh. He might have uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Too. But yeah, it's the same, uh, same writer-director. He focuses on, like, uh, the existential, and, and mostly masculine, uh, just drama of, like, mortality. That's interesting. It's really cool. So I'll be into that. I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll tell all of our listeners, every single all one of them, check out Four. A Ghost Story, and then check out Pioneer on YouTube. 
What if it like all of a sudden gets super popular and then we they like find out that we made it popular again and then yeah. they want to interview on our show? Uh, we'll have to see if we have time. Okay. Yeah, yeah we got a long list of yeah. guests. But anyway, dude, how about um, you know what else is cool? You know what trips me out like the way that the sports thing people like is when you like so like I live about ten minutes away from the uh um this place called Edgar Thompson Steelworks uh-huh. and it's a it was um Andrew Carnegie's first um steel mill and I live like dude I live I live let's see one two turns away from it okay Get out. and they built dude the steel from the um it was originally called the Mon Valley Works and it was the uh it was uh like I said Andrew Carnegie's first plant and he that's the metal for the Golden Gate Bridge came from there. Like at one point, Pittsburgh at their peak produced 10 percent of all the steel in the whole world. Jeez. And um, and uh, I know that, that kind of sounds like a little bit, but it's actually a lot. And, yeah, especially um, if you consider how big the steel, world is. how much steel is used. Yeah. So that kind of stuff kind of is really cool to me. Right. Like I like that shit and I would love to go see it and just touch it as dumb as that sounds just to realize like, wow, this was down the street from me a long time ago. Well, that's why I like doing my ghost tour. And I try to pound this into the, uh, the heads of my guesses. You uh, can pound it through them if you're a ghost. Yeah. You pound it from underneath them. Yeah. But I always say at, at most of the stops is, and everybody needs to understand this is that when you're standing in Philadelphia, especially if you're in front of Carpenter's hall or independence hall, you are standing on the ground where the people who made our country walked and went to church, went to work. You're standing there. I'm like, look at your feet. This, where you're standing is important. Uh, and that's the enormity of time yeah. and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, the, and the, the impact it's had since then. Well, it's also neat too. Like that's in a place called Braddock. And Braddock is where... This right near there is where the Whiskey Rebellion started, so it's really cool. Oh shit! Really fucking cool. You're stuff. talking about Carnegie, and is that uh, the brother of our homeboy Dale Carnegie? Uh, no, they're not related at they're all. They're not. I well, maybe they are. I mean, maybe, dude. I mean, I'm sure he had his. Uh, let's look it up. Is Dale? Enhance. Dale Carnegie. Is who is Dale? Is Dale Carnegie? Oh. Oh, it's spelled differently. Um, Look at Ross Perot. Kind of does. Both uh, equally interesting people. Yep. Uh, yeah, his brother. Oh, no, it wasn't. Clifton Carnegie was um, his brother. Carnegie. They lived in a diff. They lived kind of in different times. Oh, Forest Hills, New York. I grew up in a city called Forest Hills, Pennsylvania. And here's another crazy part. My mom is from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is um, her high school. She lived outside of it in the suburb, like in a place called Winbur in Richland, and which is right next to UPJ, which is that wrestler that um, the guy from. Remember we met the dudes, the dude from Yards, and he knew about that guy yeah. from the Steelers. The, the UPJ Pitt Johnstown had the only their only alumni in the NFL, Carlton Hazelrig. He, he was a five-time national champion uh, wrestler. Uh, he he was a player for the Steel. He just died recently. Ooh. He actually is um, from UPJ. So anyway, um, my mom went to a school there called Forest Hills School District. And then you know I grew up in Forest Hills, 
Pennsylvania, like you're outside of Pittsburgh, which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of neat. So, um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I think, um, Dale Carnegie was, he's, they actually lived in a similar time, but he's a little bit old, a little, little bit younger than, uh, why does, I mean, I know Carnegie Carnegie wrote that book that we love, but why does the name Carnegie, I feel like it's a circus name or like, Oh, Carnegie. So Andrew Carnegie. Okay, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. His net worth in 2020 money was $400 billion. And he donated all of that money. He also was the cause. He also was the cause of the Johnstown flood. Did you know that? When Johnstown flood was the largest man, because it was a, they built this dam that flooded. That was the worst man-made disaster hmm. until... Well, most deaths of a man-made disaster until September, until 9-11, not 1989, um, when the wall. And what the was the significance of that flood for something that you brought up? You mentioned it. Like, oh, I don't know, but it was, it oh, might've been the worst man-made disaster. Level? I don't know. Well, anyway, the, I mean, John sounds like kind of in a valley a little bit. So just naturally there were floods um, a lot. There's even, there's been like three major, major floods there. And that was the biggest one, the Johnstown flood of like 1890 whatever the fuck it is um let's see if i can find this uh johnstown flood controversies i mean johnstown 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 yeah. uh that's how you got johnstown <laughs> no i'm from john i'm from johnstown i was john. born in johnstown and how about a crowd crazy is this my neighbors some i had a vacant house next to me and i was really worried it was going to rot forever and somebody bought the house and they fixed it up it's really looking nice it's so so nice they just painted the foundation brick white he redid the front he's doing all this shit he's he said he's already put 14 grand into it in a month Damn. so anyway i mean it did he bought it for nothing it was in bad shape they took eight dump there was a border that lived there before so i was really worried i thought it was going to be condemned mm-hmm. he took eight eight dumpsters out and his little brother he's from turtle creek which is right by me but his little brother owns a company then he lives in north hills which is right near where i used to live anyway so it's just all these small world things but he, um, his wife, it's from Johnstown. I just found out yesterday, which is crazy. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm from Johnstown too. And, um, and, uh, and so we were starting to talk about, there's this place, there's a, there's a, one of my favorite places in Johnstown downtown, there's a place called Coney Island. And what they were, they used to be a Nathan, like what is now Nathan's the franchise, yes. but they actually, they were an independent, they became independent and they lost their Coney Island affiliation and they went independent in like the seventies. So like it's like this kind of like rogue throwback stuck in a time capsule from like the seventies and they make it's just really what it is in really all in all honesty, it's just a hot dog shop, but like great drunk food. They were open they'd always be open till like two AM and shit. Nice. And um but they make this burger called the Sundowner and it has um it has a fried egg on it. It's like a cheeseburger with fried egg, cheese sauce, um, onion little little diced onions and um and um the um the um uh, spare that, that chili fucking, that. the chili stuff that you put on <laughs> yeah dude that's my that's way i think it's better than a permani sandwich that's yeah. that's touristy that's touristy <laughs> but dog shit, the dude. good shit the good did you we gotta go to, dude we should go to johnstown together someday and check mean, it out they actually are that's the home of the I'll steepest grab that. incline yeah, you, you mentioned that too. I'll grab that steepest incline in the world. I'll be there in twenty. Yeah, and, um, and they had uh, they actually it's a it's a it was a freight incline. So your car, you can actually put your car on this incline. It's really fucking neat. And um, 
Anyway, uh, I want to change the so, topic. Go ahead. No, I was going to let me finish the thing about my neighbor. So he actually they made it nice and shit. And I completely forget what I was talking about. But fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> oh, the dude. How about the Johnstown flood tax? Oh, that's that? what, yeah, I, I have heard about that. And it's an old tax that they haven't gotten rid of. It's a built in hidden tax. It was supposed. Yep. Now, here's the crazy part. It was done. It was it was actually a good tax. I'd be at the at first. It was, it was a 10% to help tax. rebuild the. It helped town rebuild Johnstown. Johnstown, and they and it actually in ten years in ten years they rebuilt the shit out of that city, and it was amazing. So that now the tax now it raised. I'm looking at the page. It it raised forty two million dollars in ten years, and that brought money into Johnstown and it fixed everything. But they kept the tax, and it's actually in the seventies. It got increased to like 16%. And in the 90s, it got raised to 18%. It's a hidden tax on liquor at the state store. So does it go to Johnstown? You don't even see it. That's the funny part. No, it goes to Harrisburg. It goes to the General Assembly. So there's actually, there's an interview with the guy who runs the Johnstown Flood Museum. And he said, you know, probably about a couple times a year, we get a call from somebody and says, what are you guys doing with all that Johnstown flood tax money that you're still getting? And it's under false pretenses. It's fraudulent because it actually goes to Harrisburg. And, you know, it's a shame that, like, you know, this is the cautionary tale of, a ta- of tax is, like, once you – once people accept it, it never goes away. Like, the income tax. So, did you know, the income tax started – was actually tied into alcohol, too. Sixty percent of the federal government's revenue in the, in the uh, like, late 1800s, at one point, at its peak, 60 percent of the federal – uh, tax revenue was alcohol Damn. and the temperance movement that actually is tied into Carnegie. This is a really interesting story. It's shit that nobody talks about in my little conspiracy theory. Um, now the temperance movement exit teetotalers, those people existed for se- that existed for 70 years before it actually prohibition actually took into effect. Right. Now, why didn't they get anywhere? They never got anywhere. Slowly they would do things. So the whole thing to remove the, the, gov- the, the federal government's um, re- reliance on alcohol income to try and get rid of alcohol was to implement what was, what's now called the income tax. And that was to replace all the alcohol tax so that they could you know, eventually illegalize alcohol. But it never actually became illegal, obviously, in, you know, famously until, what, 1920 was the 24th Amendment or whatever? 33. No, 20, 20 and 20th Amendment. No, 33 was the 21st repeal. Amendment. That was the oh, 21st oh, yeah. Amendment, yeah. So 33 was a repeal. 20 was the year that it started. So 13 years without alcohol. But what got it going? Okay. What got it going was U.S. Steel, which was which bought Carnegie's, uh, which which was a big conglomeration. That was the um, Rockefellers that owned that. Mm-hmm. That all balled into one big giant corporation. And when they got it now, at the same time, combustible motor. Now t- cars were becoming popular, and there was technology. There was there was actually Neck and neck was electric cars and, or, and um, also different fuel, alter, combustible fuel back alternatives. Then? There was ethyl back then. Oh, that was ethyl, with, uh, leaded, ethyl alcohol. With leaded fuels? Uh, well, leaded fuels, either way, they were both leaded mm-hmm. for a long time. Lead was an, an additive to fuel that. Um, to help uh, reduce. Actually, interesting. Smog. Actually, unleaded fuel, actually, contri- the, when they decided to take the lead out of the fuel, that actually. Oh, no. When they decided, they vilified it because it was um, toxic or whatever. But yeah, somehow, to, uh, human beings. Mm, so they add ethanol to it now. You know, it's like up to 10% ethanol. 
Really? In all field. Now, Drinking ethanol that right now. is now there's so much more ethanol, ethanol alcohol, grain alcohol. You're actually talking about what, what that was, was the ethyl alcohol was added. And that is a that is um, corn based or, you know, organic based fuel and they organic based alcohol, you know, grain alcohol. And that actually since they needed it so much more, that actually as um, actually there's a theory on how it's linked to the banning of um, or getting rid of lead as an additive actually has uh, uh, correlated with a severe decline in the butterfly population. What? They travel. Dude, it's crazy. They travel. The butterflies, like, all travel south to, like, Mexico. All the ones in North America go down to Mexico, like, in the whatever. I don't know. You know, like, how birds go south for the winter. Butterflies do the same thing. And because they lost all, because all these different um, crops and shit, like, now the proliferation of corn and all the federal subsidies and stuff like that, everybody's incentivized to grow corn. That actually destroyed a lot of the natural landmarks that the butterflies used to know. That that's how they used to instinctually go to oh, the south. Yeah. So that actually fucked them up, and that actually is a severe decline now over the last like thirty years of the butterfly population. So it's one of those things too, where it's just like shit's complicated, man. There's no easy, simple solution to shit. And um, uh, so anyway, going back to the Carnegie to the U.S. Steel thing, U.S. Steel actually started back the temperance movement because they could have made ethanol well ethyl alcohol fuel which would have been a completely organic fuel that at this point in time i believe there would have been enough technology to allow it to be like you could probably have like you could probably make your own fuel with like all your organic waste like in your house like i give a hundred years a hundred years of technology like you probably would have had a garbage can that you would throw into your house and then outside you'd have a refueler and you could literally refuel your car with garbage, I believe, with 100 years of technology behind it. But oh, sure. what happened was that now gasoline was also a leading um, um, uh, engineering, uh, one of the lead things that they were thinking for cars. So U.S. Steel, obviously, gas, big, big gas and oil company, they have yep. a tremendous amount to gain by making that the exclusive fuel. Uh, now, they had basically almost a monopoly on fuel at the time in the world. And of gasoline and oil and um they had a whole bunch to gain by that by the old dead rotten dinosaur fuel which is gasoline yeah. as opposed or you could do make it out of corn and they have nothing to do with corn so and they're like wait a second they're talking about banning all alcohol all grain alcohol including um like this shit that they're talking about for cars all of a sudden u.s steel backs uh the temperance movement Ooh. so now that once that happened, now there's money funding it. Now it's got some traction suddenly after 70 years. So, and the funny part is what they teach you in school is like, oh yeah, people were being overserved and the bars were owned by the breweries and stuff. And there was no incentives and no checks and balances and people were getting overserved. And there was the, you know, the whole delirium thing and men were beating their wives and blah, all this bullshit. When in reality, it was just this one guy who stood to make a whole bunch of money off of off of that and now and that is i believe the big reason behind our our fuel dependency nowadays is because they decided to go with that instead of so it's weird like like uh, prohibition had a big big reason is a big reason of our fuel dependency dude to this day which is absolutely fascinating and this is shit they don't teach you in school yeah, I've, I've looked at just like, I've never heard any. any it's always like just follow the money, man. It's always follow the money. Mm-hmm. It ain't about some altruistic trying to make people not drunk and all this shit. And that's what it really. That's what got it to happen. Yeah. Was he backed it and that illegalized 
all these, you know, the the, the technology for the ethyl alcohol. So, Jeez. here we are. Yeah, we are. Thanks for bringing that to light, dude. It's a cool thing, man. And you should definitely, you know, do some research and look into that because it's something that's not really ever talked about. Yeah. But it, but it really is. You know, that's one of my favorite things about being in the alcohol industry is because it really like alcohol is so has such deep roots in all of American history, all of the history of the world. Really, you ever see that? There's a uh, oh yeah, really where, where they think that campy. Uh, beer is older than bread. That whole thing. Uh, beer, beer, uh, yeah, beer was the reason behind farming as opposed to like b- bread. That's what they thought. Yeah. A lot of people still think it. So there is a theory on like it was actually beer that caused um, people to quit being roaming and to settle in certain places and mm-hmm. to, and to start at modern agriculture, you know, original agriculture all came from people argue, some people argue beer, which is really right. interesting. So anyway, you want to change the subject? Yeah, I'm ready to change it. I, I, it. I, have, I have a really good question for you. And by that, I mean, I have a good answer for it, but I, I think okay. you do too. Actually, I should mention, I was hanging out with, uh, Pete and Pete yesterday, we were drinking. Pete and Pete, like the show from yeah. the podium. And uh, they, Pete's plate. They, <laughs> we, we couldn't stop talking about you. And uh, they wanted to know more about you and I. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, and you'll agree. I was just like, it's just this, this cosmic relationship where, you know, we have the same brain, basically. And we just talk <laughs> and think. And yeah, we, we all, we, we do the same thing. So I had some instances recently where it's almost like, what would Ryan do, you know? And it got me yeah, thinking. Of, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, like, uh, in, a, in, a, in a social situation, if someone were to, uh, to, were to approach you with a really, really horribly toxic negative attitude in, uh, in a professional manner, mm-hmm. I want to hear your input on what you think should be done, how you think you could remedy the situation and any advice that you think well, you could lay. Generally speaking, there's always, you know, you can always look at the glass half full and you can, or you can look at the glass half empty. And that's just true about anything in life. And you always, what I always try to do is just try to remind people of the positive stuff. It's like, yeah, this wasn't a positive situation. This wasn't the situation that you wanted, but like, um, look at this positive thing. Look at that positive thing. And like, guess what, dude, we're living in America in 2020. Like, it's really not that fucking bad. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it's not always foolproof. It doesn't always work, but I've always, you know, I've always tried really hard to try to get people to look at the positive in any situation. I've also, and I'll touch on that. It's it's not, it is talking about the positive, but it's also as much as you do talk about the positive, it's also not talking about the negative that really, makes a difference well that's one see that's one thing that i love about language and like people that i admire whether they're really powerful speakers and powerful with their language or some you know there are people that are able to just totally avoid the negativity and they even have a way of spinning it where they don't even bring it up like for example um and this is one of the things that's cool with athletes too is the you know the media interactions that they have ben roethlisberger actually just extended his like he actually is the most he played in the most games of any Steeler ever. And the guy whose record he broke, the guy whose record he broke is um, a guy named um, Iron Mike Webster. Now, he's famous because he is the one, he is the original case of encephalopathy of the brain. He's the first guy they figured out with the concussion things. And um, so I was thinking, like, well, it's going to be interesting to hear his in- interview because, like, 
is he going to touch on that? Like, is he going to talk about like that story? And he didn't even bring it up. He's like, everybody knows about Iron Mike. And like, he's the one who they made that movie concussion about. That's who the yeah. fucking Cyril Wecht found. The medical examiner found this out in Pittsburgh. You know, that's where the whole wow. thing basically started was with Mike Webster. Cause he, dude, it was really sad what happened to him. He played, 300 games in a row at center and from <laughs> through the seventies all the way until the nineties. He actually didn't miss it. He had an incredible streak where he never missed any games, but what was really sad was at the end of his life, he was living out of a pickup truck. And I mean, he was basically homeless. His pa- his family alienated. Cause he was like violent with his wife and kids yeah. and really bad shit. And like, nobody knew like, not, not like how they do now. Where like, if you got, if you have, like there's all kinds of resources and shit now, but it's all because of him. And it was really sad. And like, everybody just thought he lost his mind and people really neglected him. And like, nobody hopefully would get neglected to this point now. But like I said, it was really, really interesting how you, you know, people are able to dance with the language and just turn it into a positive thing. So like, that's one thing that I try to work on myself too, is like, you know, try to restate the situation in a way that just doesn't even doesn't even bring up the negativity like you know like there's there's certain little tricks with language that you can say is like just even little like regular words that you can just change a sentence sentence from like it's hard for me to think of an example but like well my son my son said at one time uh there was dinner involved and uh lucy was like i don't like this Uh, she's not a picky eater but she didn't like something that was on the plate and i heard ben say to her and it's one of the proudest moments as a father Nice, he yeah. said, don't talk about what you don't like. Talk about what you do like. <laughs> and that resonated. Awesome. So, and, and especially in the industry we're in and the positions we have, mm-hmm. that's very important to do. Well, <clears throat> one of the things that somebody taught me, and it's funny how things work out. I actually interviewed with a different company a long time ago whenever I was trying to get into this field. And I'm really glad, I'm really grateful for this one opportunity and I won't use any specific names, but Text me when one done. of the things, yeah, one of the things that they said in the interview that stuck with me forever is that they have one of their philosophies was, it's called beer positive, beer positive and they're craft brewery. They're actually hmm. owned by a bigger brewery now, but even with that, they used to say like, look, we want to celebrate all craft beer and we do not go out bashing other breweries and we don't like to say negative things we don't even want to partake in a negative conversation and we want to celebrate all of the craft breweries because at the end of the day we're kind of all in this together right and i just thought that was so great and i really took that to heart and i really you know it's one thing to like have a conversation between like you and i or you know my boss and i or any of these you know internal discussions even still you really probably shouldn't do that much but well as far as out in the public you know I've never, ever, I really try really hard not to say anything negative. Like, even if it's like everybody agrees it's trash or whatever, like you just stay away from it. It's not, this isn't a smear campaign. We're going to talk about what we can do and what we do do and what we like. Mm And, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to get far in life in general by, and that's why I like being in this industry because it's stuff that you can apply to life. I think it would, if, if, if this industry, if people could take some lessons from this industry and apply it to other business business situations i think the world would be a better place oh, and, sure um one of the things that um i don't know man it, you're you're right because the negativity can't come up and it is tempting even whenever it's like hey we're all gonna shit on this guy and it's just like you know what i'm just you know i'm gonna be quiet well, when it, that it happens. Goes, i'm not gonna speak it goes back it. to uh the guy we touched on earlier one of his key dale carnegie one of his dale mm-hmm. one of his 
major points was, uh, and it really took me by surprise. And he says, never criticize anybody. Uh, if they yeah. don't ask for it, don't criticize. And yes. that resonates because yeah, man. Because that's basically saying uh, you don't introduce negativity to anywhere where it's not already there. Like, and don't resonate negativity either. Don't agree. Yeah, with, minimize it. Yeah, yeah, whenever mitigate it, whenever it does exist. I definitely agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that, you know, I mean, you could bring up. We'll, we'll bring up some specific, a specific example. Like people want to shit on big like people shit on like yingling for you know even though it's technically craft and it's like you know you got to be careful here because they if it wasn't for people like them they contribute a lot of money to these organizations Mm -hmm. and like you know the craft like cbc and all these different groups like they're the biggest single contributor to all these things and they also pioneers in the business when nobody else was doing it like without these guys we would not have any of these, you know, craft beer would not be in the state that it's in today. So sure. be careful when you want to shit on somebody like that, because you got to respect their place and time. Yep. Is it your favorite beer? Maybe not. But like, see, like that's, it's those kind of examples. And the same thing. It's like when a brewery gets bought out by a bigger brewery or something, people are like, Oh, I'm never drinking that again. And it's like, well, like it kind of goes back to the Mike Vick hypocrite thing too, because it's like, Oh yeah, I don't support, I like support an independent business as you fucking make this post on Facebook with your iPhone. <laughs> fuck off. You know what I mean? Is that not hugely hypocritical? It like, really is. Get the yeah. fuck you, out You have of to here. remain humble at that point. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, see where be, you're... be real. How about you apply just a little bit of critical thought to what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay, where's your Nikes? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, so the negative thoughts, even, and, and uh, I know you and I have a problem with these reviews and these beer reviews and we kind of mm-hmm. just want everybody to hold hands. And my, no, my, I mean, my I, new I, motto I accept is, it. At this point, go ahead. My new motto is, if, if you like it, drink it. If you don't like it, drink it really fast. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick with that. And, uh, I like it. And someone said that a lot of millennials will leave a review where it says, horrible service, uh, didn't expect blah, 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 but leave a five-star review and a $40 tip. And I think our way that that's our way of thinking and i think it's catching on i think the dale carnegie way of acting like a dog appreciating everybody you meet loving every interaction you can get a hold of is really you know taking flight you know like a hundred years after he wrote the book well i mean that's sometimes that's how long things take you know you have to have some patience sometimes and you know, this, that's another thing, too, is like you just never know what somebody else's situation is. You look at something from the outside. I'll use an example. My other neighbor on the other side, they have they transformed their basement into like in their, their garage into like living space. And, you know, how like you can tell when there used to be a garage and there's like a door and then there's like that frame around where the garage. used yeah. to be. I always think it kind of looks like shit. It's like, man, I get that. Like maybe like may, like it is it is kind of weird how much space in our house we're willing to subsidize for a garage, you right. know. For you know how many people park their car in a garage, and it is kind of like not the best use of the space in certain situations. But it's still like then don't buy a house with a garage. So like I sat there so judgmental of that, like that looks like shit. And then I talked to my neighbor. It's she's a sweet, sweet, sweet lady, seventy four years old, and she said, you know, then she started telling, you know, we've learned about each other. And years ago, her husband had a stroke and he couldn't walk, so they transformed the whole basement into living space, bedroom, uh, full scale kitchen, uh, full scale bathroom. And it's like, okay, well, dude, now I get it. So you just, you never know yeah, you when got you're the driving micro, past the house. You got like the small details about what happened. Yeah. yeah. 
and and those are usually like you know and when I, when I hear stuff like that uh and I'm like damn I wish I knew that like I wish I knew that before I passed judgment then here's how I you look, can know that yeah then, but now you know yeah. that you know and you know that that might be the situation in any kind of thing where it's like you know somebody's acting up or you know I saw I saw something really disheartening the other day I think it was today actually I saw a kid on a harness and I hadn't seen that shit in years and it just made me feel really sad like because I have this very visceral memory of whenever I was in a day, I used to go to daycare and there was this kid who was a friend of mine and we went out or I don't know, some scenario happened where he was acting up and they were like, quit acting up or we're going to pull out the harness. And it was like this horrifying thing. And he was like, no, what the no, no, fuck? no. And he put the harness on and he put the harness on. A and harness. He, you know, a harness, a kid harness. You know what those are, right? No, it's like a leash. Okay. So a harness, a child harness Jesus is like fuck. a bought. It's like a vest that you strap onto the kid and there's a leash attached to the back. Yeah, I've seen that, but I didn't know it's called, I didn't know that existed yeah. when you were kids. It's child harness, yeah, and I hadn't seen one in years oh, when gosh. I saw one today. And it just really made me sad to think about that. But, but, you just, you don't know. You don't know the situation. You don't know yeah, the Yeah, that's the other thing. So, so I, I was saying, like, so you didn't know that your uh, neighbor had this issue. And you didn't mm-hmm. know until you spoke with her. So, mm-hmm. if you take a step back and you realize, if you put that on every house around you that there's stuff exactly. going on that that you don't know about because you didn't talk to them you can only yep. scientifically assume that there is a reason for everything that every every yeah. weird thing that you don't you aren't exactly comfortable with. exactly so what dude. so how do you react to things that you can't assume you just have to uh internalize and worry about yourself and it's basically yeah. mind your own well, business well, there's, work on yourself and be a kind person. There is, um, you know, I, I, I don't want this to turn into a political thing, but let's go. Would you vote for? Because there's certainly there's certainly things that I disagree with with this figure about. But Jordan Peterson, he talks about one of his rules is like, you should probably not criticize the world unless your house, unless you're doing the, unless you're the inside of your house is perfect, and. How many people in the world have that? Hand, 10 people in the whole earth I don't, might be in that position. Yeah, nobody's ever going to be perfect. You're always Exactly. So, so how about what could you imagine if everybody prioritized instead of like trying to fix the issues with the world, what if you just tried to fix your world? You know, if everybody and then, did and that, then, the world would be a much better place. And then with the eventual goal like all right, when I get my shit perfect, then I'll go to a protest. Then I'll go you know, run for office or what, you know, then I'll share, then I will, you know, share my opinion. And I think then that those are really the only people that should be making decisions in the world about the world, you know, like, is your bed made, you know, I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't think that you're in the right position to be telling other people how they should live their lives. If your fucking bed, if your bed, yeah. And here's the reality. So that's what what that means is everybody got a glass house. So chill the fuck out. There's shit. I, I mean, I've, I won't get into details, but I've done, and I continue to do some of the stupidest <laughs> shit that like you could imagine. It's like, man, if I saw myself as a third from a third person perspective, I would be so critical. And it makes you realize, like, dude, everybody does. Everybody does a mind-numbingly right. stupid shit. Have you ever? There's a George Carlin bit where he says. You ever notice that how everybody drives slower than you is an asshole and everybody everybody that drives faster than you is a, a, yeah. yeah. And it's like, that is that analogy 
is a, is applicable in every situation yep. in, in life. It's like you think that you are the only you're the only one living life the perfect way and everybody else right. is living it wrong. I don't know. I don't fucking know about that. No, I, I agree. And it's mostly about uh, just being actively empathetic. So you don't know how people are living their life. You just have to assume. And yeah, they're on their journey. They're on their journey. And here's another thing, too. It's like life is like a movie. There's no insignificant scene. This scene, you know, good movie. Every scene kind of eventually ties into the whole thing. And it's like, you know what? They're going through their thing right now that seems to make no sense. That is the per- that's perfect. That's the perfect part of their journey. Like, you know, you talk about your room. Like, what if you're just a messy person as a kid forever? You're always messy. And like your parents are hard on you for being messy. And like in the end, then it like clicks. And then you like realize being clean. and blah. blah. So like one example that I always think of is like I was a horrifically picky eater. Like I I almost turned into a chicken nugget because that's all I ate for till I was like 18. <laughs> I swear to God. I was insanely picky, but you know what happened when I was 18? I decided, I I realized the whole concept of trying things with an open mind. And then it was amazing. Dude, then it was incredible. I'm so great. Dude, what I'm grateful for that about is that I, now I can approach things with so much more gratitude because I was picky for all that time. If I would have not been picky, then it wouldn't have been so euphoric having certain foods now that like the way they are now. So I needed that pickiness which probably gave my parents hell and it was probably just a whore you know there was probably people in the periphery thinking man this fucking kid's so picky. yeah well Fuck for me it was my kid will never be like that not with food but it was kind of like um i had we, we touched on this earlier is that you can't possibly imagine that other people have thoughts that make sense to them so my issue growing up was uh i had these thoughts that make perfect sense in my head and mm-hmm. why are they not making sense? With why am I even arguing this fact with other people? And uh, when when I got older, you know, and I, I went through this shit a lot, it was mostly because I, I looked at other people and I, I started to put my thoughts in their head and be like, they think the same thing as you. They think as strongly as you in the opposite manner. So mm-hmm. it's more important to understand how they feel about what they think and that's the best way to approach any problem and you know to go in with your head down being like i'm right you're wrong is so counterproductive mm-hmm. and no, no i agree man right. it's like you know like the whole debate when you're in like junior high and stuff like you like ass man or a ch- boob man and it's like you know, you thought like, oh, dude, boobs are way better. Asses are stupid. Mm-hmm. And then you like start to think about it. And you're like, oh, shit, asses are kind of like you start to like go into an open mind. And you're like, oh, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. Like you can like them. Or if you don't like them, you can at least like try, try to understand like what their appeal is. And like, you know, the another Jordan Peterson thing is like t- every person that you talk to act as though they have something valuable to say. That, that you don't know that you've never heard before. Oh, I love gaining advice. new perspective for sure. Yeah, I love gaining, I love gaining new perspective on things. And like another thing that I learned too, is like, you can't learn. This was like actually wisdom from this old black dude that was lived in Brooklyn. And he, um, he, I worked in restaurants with him and he said, you can't learn anything. If you're talking, can't learn when you're talking. Perfect. That's a great, I love. That. I also learned that too from Dale Carnegie. Uh, I'll keep talking about that dude. He, 
Yeah. He changed my life. But uh, I've, I've been in situations where uh, I would meet a person and it would be a one-on-one. Sometimes it was a date. Sometimes it would be a professional meeting, uh, whether it be friends or whatever. And uh, we'd leave this engagement and later they'd say, man, I haven't had such a good connection with anybody the way I just had with you. And then I had to look back and I'd have to be like, what did I do differently? And I had to say, oh, I actually shut the hell up. And all I did was listen. I just listened for a long time. So, and, and that goes to even in politics, which we don't really discuss, but yeah, listening to everybody talk really makes them feel good. And, and getting yeah. their thoughts out to their own head verbally makes them feel good. And, it, it, even in the you know industry we're in, where you know you're going out to put out a fire, which there's been quite a few fires recently, we, the best thing you can do is just go there and listen. And nobody, I, I always think of different terms of how to be successful in personal relationships, whether it's professional or uh, personal, and it's always the art of blank, the art of blank, and I think. The art of listening is like number one. Yeah, man. People, people can tell. People can tell when you're just waiting for your turn to talk, right. and they can tell if you're genuinely listening. Yeah, you know, for the most part. And it part, is, so. it is habits you have to change. Like I watched my son. Oh, who, yeah. who uh, he's just like how I was when I was younger, and he's so excited to say his, uh, especially when we're playing games. He wants to explain his method of how he knew who the killer was or this and that. And, and I'm, I'm like, you know, a few steps ahead of him. And I just want to say to him, like, dude, just, just wait and listen. Listen and get more knowledge. And it's working. He's becoming a, a better young man. Yeah. Well, you also have to, too, you know, respect his journey. You know, like, understand right. that he has to, he has to go through his bullshit, you know, his journey so that he'll have those understandings that you have. And one of the things that I think too, um, this is kind of the thing where I kind of disagree with a lot of people is that um, I think it's more controversial thing that I believe is that you really can't learn from other people's mistakes. Like you kind of have to make your own, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to taste your own shit, you know, before you, before you, um, you have things figured out for yourself within reason. There's certain things that you can't learn. Mindset there from other people, but like you know, sometimes I would get frustrated where it's like, man, I lived through this bullshit, and I can tell exactly what you're going to go through, and I know exactly what your pitfalls are going to be, and I'm going to tell you right now how to avoid them. And then I get frustrated when people would not, you know, people that I want to try and help, and they don't listen, and they go through it, and they're fucked, and they're in the fucking serving their sentence for their, you know, they're they're facing the repercussions for their actions. I'm like, I told you. I told you, then you just got to take a step back and realize, like, dude, they got to figure it out for themselves. I was a kid, too. There was a point in time where nobody could tell me a fucking thing. I still do shit that I know better that I shouldn't do. And I have to, you know, you really, you really, unfortunately, do kind of have to, um, you know, go through the consequences of things to understand and to to make you who you are. So you just got to be patient whenever, even with your child, when you're trying to teach them something, do your best. But, like. You also have to understand, too, that like some things they're just going to have to figure out on their own. Oh, for sure. That's why uh, I was, I'm a firm believer in 
when like Stan or Lucy would fall, whether it be like I'm trying to walk or whatever, not once. And I, I, I'll feel bad about it when I'm older. If they fell, I'd say, you know, you know how to get up. You know how to get up. I'm not going to come here and hold you. And then get up, and maybe it helped them out long term. Yet to be determined, but. Stuff like that, if you let people make their own mistakes. And also, if you're like constantly helping someone with their problems and they just don't listen to you, then that's, for me, that's the sign to be like, all right, uh, they don't want help with their problems. They want the attention. And that's when you say, I can't be your help anymore. And I've cut off shit. Nearly 100% of relationships from... Yeah, when I was like in well, high school one, and stuff. I think the th- that totally makes sense. I think the best thing, and this is hard to do, it's one of those things like easy to say, but it's kind of hard to live by. Is um, sometimes you the best thing that you can do, especially like with a kid, I think, is you know, listen to them, give them the affirmation of their experience, like you know, validate their experience, you know, and then sometimes you got to make them figure it out themselves listen to the story listen to the pitfalls you can't say oh you shouldn't have done it you don't want to make the, give them the sense that you're judging what they went through oh, yeah, but if you listen. can give them if you can yeah listen and ask questions mm-hmm. like hey so how do you feel about that what did you learn from this what are you going to do next time when you're in that situation don't tell them what to say yeah. or how they should do it and let them you know that's why i think that how you that's how you can pass along a functional person in the world and i think a lot of people there's a lot of people out there that like they're still trying to overcome their childhood, you know, impression, false impressions that they had of their parents or whatever that they're still struggling with. And they don't even realize it. You know, they're still reliving that stuff. They're still trying to be heard. They're still trying to prove their point or whatever. And it's really sad. You can't blame them. It's just like they just never got that validation they never had that person listen to them. So if you can provide that for somebody, especially at the, this age, you can actually hopefully <laughs> usher them into the world with a little bit less damage than, you know, than you had or than some of the other people around <laughs> them. And I just think even being aware of that gives you at our age, like people don't figure this shit out. People die and don't figure mm-hmm. this shit out. And they're even aware of that. And it's one thing to be aware of it. It's one other thing to actually try to apply these things right. in life and realize that like, you know, everybody is their four-year-old versions of themselves in a certain way, you know, a lot, especially the more dysfunctional people that you run into. And you just got to remember, like, they're just trying to validate their experience. And, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a great way to put it. Validate your experience. But they also get really internal and, and try to make it all about them. Like, they think they're the... And it goes back to that mindset of being four. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and you know, like with that, it's like the whole just some people just don't even have a clue. Like they just don't, they're just nowhere near that awareness. And like when you're, here's the thing too. It's interesting when you're in the, when you're in the trenches and you're in the middle of that problem, it's hard to have that global perspective and realize that you're not the only person that exists. Like when you're fucking on fire, do you give a fuck what's going on in Cambodia? Like, no, but um, and that's why I think you got to give them a little, you got to give them the foundation so that they can realize that like, you're, they're not the only person with problems. And, yeah. 
Um, you're not the only person that exists, but you have to have that initial, um, that initial bump into that direction. You have to have a good solid foundation so that you're not on fire all, all the time, mm-hmm. every day. So, yeah, we're on the same page, bro. No, man, I, I appreciate even being able to talk about this shit. Like I, you know, if you, sometimes you get on and have these conversations with people and you just get blank stares and just people just don't even have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so it's refreshing to, no, man, it, seriously, it's it's refreshing to have this discussion with somebody that even understands what I'm saying, let alone agree yeah. um, with it. And I know this probably isn't like a perfect way of living through life and stuff, but it's just, this is the, this is the, how it's played out in my mind. And this is the best, I'm trying to proceed the best way I can. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's, there, it does no good to just to dwell in the negativity. Like you were saying, you know, like how do you turn a situation around and you kind of can't, all you can do is turn it around yeah. for yourself. You can it starts lay out with you. everything. It has to start with you. Well, I think, I think it's more than that. It's all you, I think, because you don't know what it's like. To, you're never going to know what it's like to look at life through other people's eyes. All you're going to know is your life and the way you go through it in your eyes. And if you can go into a situation and you can, do your best to turn it around and like, you know what? I did my best to turn that around and I, I'm not going to, and here's the thing too. You get somebody upset and emotional and pissed off. It's like, why are you going to let that? Like, I'm pretty proud of myself with a certain situation that I was in a couple of years ago. I had this boss who he would just fly off the handle and start, you know, demeaning people and telling them they're fucked up and you're an idiot. Everybody, everybody was dumb. Everybody was dumber than him. And that was like a really frustrating, um, it's a really frustrating thing. And like, you know, next thing you know, you're screaming back at them and you're emotional and you're pissed off. And it's like, wait a second, you were okay. You're having a good day or you're having a neutral day or whatever. Somebody else comes in and they have a problem and they're upset and they're emotional. You just got to look at them and be like, you're the one with the problem. Not me. I'm not going to internalize. I'm not going to, capture your negativity and reflect it and bring it back and, and, and add to it. And it's like, you're the one right. with the problem. You know what? Oh, you want to call me a jag off? You want to call me an idiot? You want to call me a dumbass? That's your problem. You obviously have some issue. You know? Yeah. That's fine. I, I might've told you this Go story. Ahead. Where... If that, and, and also, if, but let me finish this real quick. If you're the one who needs, if you need to call me an asshole, like that's your thing. Like I'm, I know I'm not, there I have you enough, you know, I have enough conviction in my own. I have enough, conviction in my own identity that I don't need you one way or then I'm not going to get fucked. You know, I'm not going to have somebody like push me around, but, um, and that's an issue and you got to stand your ground. But if, if you're in a situation like that and you know, somebody needs that feeling of control or whatever. Yeah. Part of this, uh, have to, uh, you know, where I am now, as far as understanding and being empathetic started because, uh, this guy, I might have told. We were at Strange Loves. Remember, we we poured that firkin. Uh, yeah. The owner of that, uh, he, one time met me in the basement, and uh, I was delivering a few firkins when I delivered the beer, and mm-hmm. oh, that was a large burp. Excuse me. Bless you. But he, uh, this, he he told me I have firkins to deliver. Uh, or no, I have a lot of firkins on tap. Don't ruin them. Don't, you know, screw with them. And I told him, look, your firkins are here, but they're kind of wobbly. They might fall. And I was just a driver. I wasn't, uh, I was in the industry, but I was just, and I said, you know, just so you know, 
if I move this stuff around, it might shake. It might do this, that. He's like, all right, well, you know, we had this conversation, but try your best. And I, I did. And I wound up knocking a firkin over, spilled half the shit all over. You know, it was a firkin like event where each each keg costs like a hundred bucks. And I probably spilled like fifty bucks worth of beer on the floor. But he uh, he came downstairs and he had a really negative attitude. He was screaming at me. He's like, "I told you, you're the tenth person that got here that." I can't believe you wasted all this beer. And I said to him in a very calm attitude, I said, I spoke to you before I did this, that this was going to fall. And you did nothing to change that. I tried my best. And I'm still here trying to help you. So let's work through this problem together. And let's find a solution. And he got really heated. But we figured out the solution. We built the plug. We put it in. Went upstairs. And... Luckily, I found this guy who's kind of like us who can internal. He can look back at himself and be like, "You know what? I was wrong. I was, I was an asshole." But by the time I went up, he shook my hand. He said, "You can drink for free anytime you come here. You know, you're the. I learned from you today." And he hit me up on Facebook and all that. And once he found out I was in sales, he was, he has been one of the best assets I've ever been. And it's because he, he, I just had lunch with him Thursday. He said it's because uh, I didn't approach him negatively. It was more of a positive attitude towards, you know, preparing for something that could be bad. And he said to this day, I've never seen anybody engage that way. And he said, I'll always remember that. Luckily him and I, our attitudes kind of like, match very well where we fit each other's grooves and that doesn't happen normally but but it took off yeah. there oh, yeah. and it's taken off exponentially since so I, I think the, the good attitude and the and the empathy is really what's huge about it so I was empathetic towards his feelings and he wasn't towards mine at first but I was so over the top at the time that he kind of realized Oh, I was being an asshole. And it's, yeah. yeah, well, you know, that goes into the thing I said about the um, about the picky food thing. It's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's like, you think about it. At the time, you're like, fuck, I just spilled this. This is bad. But without that spill, without that negativity, without that initial point of contention, then you wouldn't have the relationship yeah, almost, that you have now. So that's yeah, why you just have to let you, like, you give way to this. Yeah, give way to the situation, let it happen, let it play itself out, be who you are, and yeah. it'll always end up working out, you know, usually. So, um, no, I mean, that, 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 that's really cool. And, like, I can't say – well, here's here's the first thing right, right off the bat for that. It's like, here, here's a crazy thought. I've probably – I don't even know. I might have delivered beer longer than you have. I've yeah, delivered beer did. for almost you nine did. years. And um, I never once saw a firkin. That's how different Pittsburgh is. There is literally – Right now, there's zero, zero firkin, zero active, like, not counting breweries, which only run their own shit anyways. Zero active firkin accounts in, oh, dude, in, in 21 counties. Zero. I would deliver at least two firkins a week to Fergie's. There's, there used to be two. And um, 
really only one that actually had the that did it right that moved it quick enough had the audience and actually had a, a legit sellering program where they the actually did it. did it correctly yeah. yes the way that it should be done and um that place is like under construction right now so under major construction and the guy's a germaphobe and he's not probably not going to open up until yeah everything's way way no no threat of anything so Anyway, that's the first thing that I take out of that is like, wow, and like those really are special things that like you really shouldn't have you it's 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 you know, a salary a good salary program, the expectation should not be that a the delivery person should have not there shouldn't be any expectations on them to have any involvement right. in, in, in cask beer really, other than bringing it there and setting <coughs> it down and you should that is like a it, 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 it's like a purebred puppy or something, a seller. And you really have to take ownership of it. You have to know that, like, nobody else – don't expect anybody to know anything else about it. You know, the fact that you can find some suppliers that buy it is that, – that make it is, is amazing enough. Everything past that, like, it's on you. Like, don't expect anybody to know about that highly, highly niched segment of, of beer. And um, I'm sure that factor into his realization it won't <coughs> too, but – but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, I can't say, I don't have many situations like that, but I will say that like, you know, that boss that I had, like I ended up, you know, really hitting it off with him over time because like, you just understand, like, obviously like he has some problem with like, he's out of control in his, his life. He lacks control. Like he had a problem with like his wife and, you know, a lot of personal issues. And it's like, he needs to feel like he's in control of something, even if it's like some 16 year old kid that uh that you know he's been doing this job his whole life and this 16 year old kid isn't quite as good and quick as he is at it so he's gonna oh, try and pick on them he needs that obviously he needs that yeah. you know that's how i figure it's like so you need it i'm not gonna be here to solve that for you and i'm also not gonna bring that into my own life you know that's your problem you're yelling look you're the one mad you're the one pissed off it's a you problem mm. i'm not gonna make it mine so, yeah, and it's it's one of the it's one of those things too that like you know, I don't always act that way. I'd like to act that way, but it doesn't always end up working out that way. And you try really hard to, you know. Um, then one of the people that I learned from, another person that was very 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 valuable in my experience was the when I was delivering beer. There was a seventy two year old guy, black dude from Louisiana, who. He delivered beer and he like that he would run oh, yeah. circles around 18 year old too. kids and he it's shouldn't amazing. have. But um, and one of the things about him that was so amazing, everything just rolled off his back like nothing. Bo- he was like those dickies, those water resistant dickies <laughs> where it just beads off like there. there I, I mean, you couldn't piss him off if you tried. He was just impenetrable. And I really try like I started to realize it's like there are certain people in life that though you know you're on your trajectory right and you have you make decisions like what problems am i going to bring into my life and what am i going to not let affect me and there are certain people like him that just like I- i'm living my life and i'm not going to let some out- outside shit yeah, it takes a lot of mental you know, energy ruin too. it and there's there's a lot of other people that i think takes just as much mental energy but just mm-hmm. for whatever reason they've gone down this trajectory where they will reach they will find they they will have to look far and wide 
to find things to be upset about and they will, and they'll bring it in. They'll reach for those problems and they'll internalize them and bring them and make them their own. And it's really sad to watch, you know, those people, like, it's just, I, I actually have, I feel guilty for it. I feel sad for them uh, because they're the ones that have to wake up every morning in that body and that life and carry that weight and, and carry die, those like problems. You said, people just, die. It's heavy. Like it's a burden. Yeah, they don't even realize it. Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's sad. It's sad, and I feel bad. And you try to just put kid gloves on when you're dealing with those people because they got mm-hmm. it rough. They're the ones who got it rough. We, fit, you know, we have an advantage because we can be centered in our existence within reason, not, not perfect. But, um, you know, those are the people that really need compassion and love the most, I think. And actually... Um, you know, by leading by example like that. And maybe sometimes it'll, maybe that's, maybe you being calm will be the day that it clicks for them or the beginning of planting a seed of, I don't have to be mad. All I also time. thought that people you know? like that who just and all you can all do, time, you have to also realize like just how you spend your time when you're making sales calls. Is this worth my time? Like uh, I've tried enough with this person is it worth my time, yes. my mental energy to really help them? And if the answer is no, it's a hard no. It's like, good luck. You know, I've tried. Mm. And eventually, and eventually that whole situation, you just have to hope plays itself out because guess what? If you're not worth it for me to deal with, and eventually yeah. it's, everybody's going to catch on and you're going to be left with nobody. So, and then you're going to have, then at that point, maybe they'll realize and maybe they'll have to reevaluate, but that's why I think everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah. You'll get your first chance when they meet you, but oh, if I man, give up I'm, on you, you get one more chance. Yeah. You, you, I think even then, maybe you should do a six-month checkup, you know, and people change, you know. And if you see, you just go into it with no expectations, you see, like, oh, we're still in this, we're still, you know, festering in this negativity. It's like, well, that's a shame. I'll yeah. try back in but six then again, months. You, know? you can't keep dipping your toes in the toxic well, I mean, that the, the, that's a luxury too. You got to realize that that we are very. I've always tell this to people like, oh man, like I always tell this like I tell this to our boss like I feel so fortunate that I have enough people that I can work with, and this is true with life, not just with beer. That like you do get to a point where you realize like I don't have, I don't need mm-hmm. you, I don't need you, and. You know, you kind of flip the script where it's like, um, you know, you want to work with me. You want my the benefits of me being involved in, you know, us partnering as businesses. Then you have to try out for me and you have to earn my time because I I have I'm not, I have a buddy who owns a landscaping company. And he talks to me about this stuff and he's like, I got these problem customers. He's, he, he always yeah. has too much work. And he has these problem customers. I'm like, dude, weed yeah. them out. Yeah. Weed Time them the valuable. fuck out. And then, then you get to the point, eventually you get to the point now, what, I'm, what he's even told me, he's like, I'm getting to the point now where I don't, all I have are awesome customers. And I'm weeding them out. And if they somebody don't. becomes a problem, I just, I fire them. Yeah. I fire them because I don't need them. I have enough work. I have enough people that are sweet, that pay me right, that, that have good work for me, that I don't have to, and there, there is enough yeah. people out there, you know, and I feel that way about with what we do too. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's fortunate because, you know, this is in some ways, this is a legacy company compared to a lot of other craft breweries where we have 
some old longstanding relationships and some loyal people that a lot of people don't mm-hmm. have. They don't have that luxury. They have to earn, you know, they have Make to go out name. there in, yeah. in the trenches every day. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, but then eventually like, look, I kind of, I was in a weird situation because I was in a market that was not really, nobody had ever focused on it. So like, you know, you have your little high point places that they would, they said like, Hey, here's the, here's our big time guys out here. And that's about all we know. And everything else is on you. So even when you're new, you have, um, you have the opportunity to carve your own thing out and you should, if you're any good, you should be able to find your good, easy to work with relationships. And when you don't, um, um, you know, after a couple of years, you should have be in that same boat where you don't need that bullshit. Even if you're a brand new brewery to your, you got a sales rep, you're, tw- you're from 2018, you're Bruce. Hey, hey so <laughs> again, eh, it's all right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, man. But I, I like what we're touching on as far as uh, communication and listening and, and how to, we we t- we touched on a lot today, you and I. Yeah, man, definitely. I appreciate this. I appreciate the exercise in listening, and um, not only that, but like even when you sometimes when you have a long form conversation, like you have the opportunity to verbalize some things that you kind of thought, but you never really articulated clearly. So yeah. I appreciate the chance to kind of listen even to myself, and you know, have That's... some clear formulations. I was, I was on my sitting ideas. here in this room thinking the same thing, like. These are thoughts that have been in my head for years. I never had the like the way they could trickle out and actually sound good. They're just these like hieroglyphics in my brain that mm. attach themselves to different thoughts. So this was a good experience. Yeah, man, I, I agree, and I think uh, I hope that we can continue to do this exercise. I feel like I'm getting better at it. Um, I feel like this was the most like coherent. And guess what? We didn't even have a topic, so. Um, yeah, I like that. We just wanted to talk. I like that. I like that. I like that it just flows and there's, you know, shit, we could do this. We could do this for hours and hours and hours. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's great, man. It's great. I'm getting, we're definitely getting, I think we've come a long way from the initial couple conversations. It's funny. You think you can do it. It's just talking, but it's actually pretty, it's actually hard. It's not, I mean, it's not the hardest thing ever, but it's, but it's definitely not um, as easy as it seems. And, it's definitely a muscle that I feel like I'm starting to develop a little bit better. So I appreciate yeah. that we can do this. And and also it's being archived. So even if, <clears throat> you know, uh, 17 people listen to it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I love that. But I love that, like, shit, like 30 years from now, my kids can just be like, I want to hear my dad on a podcast. And here he is talking and, I don't even know what my grandfather, I, I honestly, my grandfather, I know he worked for a newspaper. I don't know what he did for a newspaper. I don't have any idea. So maybe my kids' kids could listen to this podcast. And as far as like uh, mortality and, you know, uh, the legend goes, this is another way to just pass that on. You and I just talking shit. Yeah, I think that that is one of the benefits of like the technology these days. And this is, you know, to try to em- emphasize the positives and minimize the negative stuff. And this is one of the positive things. And I am, yeah, man, I'm, I'm grateful for this. And I feel, um, like, I feel like the more uh, drunk we get, the more serious we get. So maybe we should have an episode where we just 
You have a, what do you think about it? Like a sober episode? Yeah, that, that'd be all right. That'd be all right. Yeah, I'm down I with mean, that. I, I can't. I can't imagine it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, in I, my head. But well, I think that we are kind of cheating in a way. We're like drinking as a social lubricant, and like, how mm-hmm. about you know, a dry run? You know, see what you can see. You know, Challenge. you got a you got a strong. Put it this way: your your motor, you know. Beat up old motors need starter fluid to start up, but like a strong, powerful motor doesn't need doesn't need a starter fluid, and you can just bang boom, you just start it up cold. And I want to develop to that point. Yeah, I agree. I think that that we should try to do try to do something sober at some point, and you know push through that, and hopefully it comes out um, mm. comes out good. So. All right, dog. Thanks Dude, for your time. Much appreciated, man. Thank you. Get some sleep. Thank you. Yeah, man. You too. See ya.